0: Donald is just not a person that that you would ever entrust with a position of responsibility Donald Trump
1: who owns this universe the man who lives in his own golden tower in New York City
2: Donald Trump is still standing stronger
0: than ever before and fighting for the American people
3: Donald Trump's ideas
4: aren't just different they are dangerously incoherent
2: Donald Trump always puts himself first. He's a very hard-working, conscientious, properly valued guy. I hear a multi-billionaire, I hear a very arrogant, uh, egotistical man who will say anything to try to get votes.
4: Donald says what's on his mind. There's not a subject that he can't give you an answer on. Donald Trump
1: has been selected as the Republican Party nominee for President of the
3: United States. Before he was the Republican nominee for president of the United States, Donald Trump had a different title. Sure, he's been a real estate mogul, menswear distributor, bottled water and steak salesman, airline owner, magazine creator, and board game spokesman. But we're talking about a moniker with more pizzazz.
2: He was known as General Trump, owner of the New Jersey Generals. He wanted to build America's team.
3: Trump was the owner of the New Jersey Generals, a team in the United States Football League the league lasted only 3 seasons and Trump was only the owner for 2 but if you want to know more about the man who could be commander in chief you need simply to understand his time as general this is the narrative i'm harry swartout
2: boy can they play
3: but they can do more than play in the USFL
2: where football is still a game
3: From 1983 to 1985, the USFL played professional spring football. Largely, the league tried to stay out of the NFL's way. Teams like the Memphis Showboats, the Birmingham Stallions, and the Portland Breakers faced off in cities neglected by the NFL. For the first two seasons, it seemed like the USFL was content with being an alternative to the NFL instead of its direct competitor.
0: The league had a very specific mission, which was to be a viable spring football league.
3: That's Gary Cohen, former president of Halcyon Days Productions, the company that filmed all of the USFL games.
0: To ultimately build a business model that would make enough money to support the meaningful expenses of playing football in a season that had never had football before.
3: However, after two successful seasons, where the league met TV audience quotas and attendance marks, the USFL decided to move to fall and compete directly with the NFL the league never made it to the 86 season and folded before the move could be made. The doom change in philosophy may have come from a predictable source.
0: Let's say the annual team budget was, you know, a million dollars for player salaries. Well, Donald immediately made it three million or five million. And it wasn't sustainable for a startup league in the spring, which he understood very quickly and maybe understood from the beginning and ultimately said, "Okay, we have to move to the fall. That's where real football's played anyway. If God wanted spring football, he wouldn't have invented baseball. That was his famous quote.
3: Trump came in, grabbed press, spent money, and hijacked the league. The situation may sound familiar.
1: Donald, let's welcome you to the USFL, and uh, your intense interest in merchandising has been striking from the very beginning. In a
3: 1984 interview with ABC, at halftime of a game between the Generals and the Birmingham Stallions, Trump redefined what success for the USFL entailed, touting marketing and rapid growth. He dismissed his predecessor's efforts, as failures.
1: I disagree with the way it was handled last year, frankly. You really have to go out, you have to get the stars.
3: In more than 30 years, his strategy hasn't changed much.
1: President Obama was elected. He's actually a negative force. He's been a negative force. We need somebody that can take the brand of the United States and make it great again.
0: The owner Trump, like the candidate Trump, hijacked the situation established his own set of rules and by, by you know moving so fast and being so forceful and so opinionated, made his rules the only rules that mattered.
3: Candidate Trump and owner Trump share some other similarities as well. Both wanted it to be known. They were rich.
1: I think the general way that you have been presented in the media is money. I'm really rich. I'll show you that in a second. I'm not even saying that in a bragging. That's the kind of mindset. That's the kind of thinking you need for this country.
3: And both play to the media in different ways. Current Trump has mastered the 24 hour news cycle and social platforms like Twitter to achieve ultimate saturation. In the 80s, there were fewer opportunities for media dominance. But Trump was game for any interview, any time, anywhere. As long as that anywhere was Trump Tower.
4: For Donald, if it was if we could do it at Trump Tower, he he would like to do it there.
3: That's Kevin McConnell, former PR person for the Jersey Generals. But even the first
4: one when we had the press conference to announce that he's the new owner of the New Jersey Generals, again it was in the lobby of, of Trump Tower, which was just mind boggling. It brought it up another level and now we're on page six and it's not just sports, it's not just the sports page, it's the real estate page or the front page. ...because of the news that that Donald would make and who he was and and the market that we uh, we were in.
3: Donald Trump used that news coverage to generate buzz for a league that desperately needed it. After a strong start, the USFL ratings had begun to drop. And Trump was a human lightning rod for the press. As much as he paid attention to the on-field product, Trump took every opportunity to grab off-field headlines too. He publicly threw his coach under the bus.
0: Created controversy should he fire his coach? He made it, you know, sort of public that he was waffling on whether or not to fire his coach. And his coach was, um, he brought in Walt Michaels, who had been the Jets' coach before. So, as much as possible, Trump tried to, you know, drum up, you know, the Walt Michaels stuff. And then he did everything he could to generate attention from the beginning.
3: And that, too, may sound familiar. If Donald Trump has Mike Pence, he threw Mike Pence under the bus tonight. even used cheerleader tryouts as an excuse to invite celebrities and the media to his tower.
4: We had a cheerleader tryout, but we did it at Trump Tower, which Andy Warhol was a a judge and there were other celebrities who were judges. So something like that, where if the Philadelphia Stars had a cheerleader tryout, it might be held at a hotel in Philadelphia, and, and I'm not sure who the celebrity would
3: be. In addition to Andy Warhol who showed up two hours late to settle a score with the Trumps. Artist Leroy Neiman, opera singer Beverly Sills, and Trump's then-wife, Ivana, watched the girls dance to Billy Jean. Later, these cheerleaders would walk out and quit in large numbers over their poor treatment, with former cheerleader and current actress Lisa Edelstein reporting that Trump treated them like hookers.
1: You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet, you just kiss.
3: I don't even know wait. And when you're a star, they
1: let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the
3: (laughs) What attention Trump couldn't generate himself, he bought in the form of big-name players. Along with NFL cast-offs like former league MVP Brian Seip, Trump signed Heisman winners to big-time contracts.
2: The USFL has attracted top-quality players, like Heisman Trophy winners Doug Flutie,
4: and Herschel Walker. I mean, he did what an owner should do and was able to go out and sign players that, that possibly the last ownership he wouldn't have been able to, to afford or, or wouldn't have been able to do. It was Donald and the, the transformation of the uh, of the generals from a you know, team that was nowhere close to making the playoffs to a team that was you know, made the playoffs.
3: How he got the team to win? wasn't always clear, even to the man himself. Trump wasn't as football savvy as some other owners and often asked advice on tough football decisions. From everyone.
0: (laughs) My partner, Mike Tolan, had the personal relationship with Donald and was invited into the inner sanctum at Trump Tower, and Donald would often ask him, should I fire the coach, should I do this, should I do that? And Michael used to joke that Donald would ask everybody's opinion, And, you know, and, you know, wouldn't even listen to the answer. And then ultimately he would decide whatever the last guy said was what his choice was. We would say, go in the hallway, ask Eldon the janitor. Maybe he has an idea on this because that was the Donald Trump method.
3: Once the janitor was asked and a consensus reached, Trump moved quickly. Deals got signed, moves were made, and the generals went along at a breakneck pace in order to give Donald a team to rival the NFL squads.
2: So always took every meeting I ever asked him to take with anybody that I brought in front of him. The meeting wouldn't necessarily last a long time, depending upon what your answers were. He would always open up the questions with, uh, "So what's new?" And if you didn't answer that question the way that he, you know, got his attention, then it was a pretty quick meeting.
3: Under Trump, the generals went from six and twelve to fourteen and four and made the playoffs. The next season, they went eleven and seven it seemed Trump had borrowed the mantra of another dynamic football owner and decided to just win, baby. And for a while, people loved him for winning.
2: They just knew that they had themselves the number one owner of all time in New York. I mean, if it wasn't Steinbrenner, it had to be, you know, Donald Trump.
3: That's Jimmy Gould, former president of the Jersey Generals.
2: And, and, and you had to be bigger than life in New York. New York media expects bigger than life. They'll shoot you down, but they'll still respect the fact that you're tough because new yorkers are tough you know they're tough people they're a resilient group and they don't like losers you know that that they don't like they won't like to win
1: we are going to start winning big league on trade militarily we're going to build up our military we're going to have such a strong military that nobody nobody is going to mess with us we're not going to have to use it We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. Believe me.
3: Despite their record, not every player was a winner. Trump also signed players who had not yet graduated college, which at the time the NFL couldn't do. And he signed them to bargain basement contracts. Here's former Generals tight end Sam Bowers. Well, when he bought the team, I,
5: I was one of the players that went down the Trump Towers. I played myself, Herschel Walker, uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Justin, it's a few of us, you know, we went down, you know, it was pretty excited because we know he had a lot of money. So <laughs> and I'm serious. I had jobs working nine to five, making more than I did playing in the USFL. And that's being honest. My status was getting really good, you know, being leader-receiver. So I was looking for a big payday. And when it came to an abrupt ending, you know, it was very disappointing.
3: The league's abrupt ending was likely one last gambit to win. Not a game, not even for the league but for Donald Trump himself. As the league collapsed, what was his endgame? What did he think he was going to win? And how did he handle it when he lost? (laughs) I believe,
0: he believed he was going to get in the NFL. And and it became clear that this was the last year of of operation for the league. He was the leader of, of the movement to sue the NFL.
3: After 1985, Trump had merged his Jersey generals with the Houston Gamblers, what a star quarterback in Jim Kelly and the best receivers in the league. On paper, it seemed like the Generals-Gamblers combo could take on any NFL squad. Now, all Trump had to do was force the NFL's hand into letting him into their league. And for that, the USFL had to be a threat. That meant moving to the fall. But while some USFL owners had the money, they didn't have the talent.
5: The public is the one that label it. You know, they always consider the USFL as minor league football. But it was funny how when the, the guys in the NFL couldn't get their contract, they jumped ship and came over to the USFL to get the money that we was trying to get. That, you know, that we couldn't get we was we were
3: trying out for the NFL. the USFL knew they couldn't get TV or stadium contracts over NFL teams. So they went with plan B, suing the league for Monopoly. One last time, Trump won. Sort of.
2: There was true antitrust there. But the jury only gave us a dollar and tripled it to three. What's missed by everybody is... He won the lawsuit. He just didn't win the money. But he won the lawsuit. And 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 at the end of the day, that should tell people something about him.
0: The ironic thing about it was that the jury also decreed that that punishment was a fine of $1, um, which was entirely symbolic. Um, And ultimately meant that the league had failed profoundly, even though they were granted success. And I always took that to be a direct rebuke of Donald himself, that the jury, while recognizing that there were um, restraints to free trade that impeded the USFL's ability to be a competing professional football league, recognized something gross in the approach that he brought to the equation, that the League ultimately embraced and brought to the equation, and ultimately said, you're not going to benefit from this. And so they gave the, the League a symbolic uh, reward in the, in the case. In
5: 1986,
3: the USFL folded, and Donald Trump moved on. 30 years later, he wants to be President Trump, instead of General Trump. He's a polarizing figure, but there's one thing everyone can agree on. I
4: think that Donald that you see now is the same Donald I saw 30 years ago. I think he hasn't changed over the years.
2: He can also, um, just like anybody can, can probably be the biggest jerk on the planet if if somebody's being a jerk to him. He wants to be liked. He won't necessarily tell you that, but but everybody likes to be liked. But but he has some irreverence to him, and he certainly has some political political incorrectness to him. And I have a lot of political incorrectness, so I can relate to that.
5: Trump has always spoke what was on his mind. You know, he was never one, I believe, that uh, sugarcoat anything.
0: I think he's the same as he ever was. He brainwashed an awful lot of people who were sweat up, swept up in the excitement of, you know, of his bill of goods. And that, that was identical to what he did with the generals. And the fact that he was ultimately destroying or helping destroy something of value was a very secondary consideration to his own personal agenda. And he hasn't changed. He's the same person he was.
3: Thanks to Gary Cohen, Jimmy Gould, Sam Bowers, and Kevin McConnell. Special thanks to Tim Rohan, whose article for Monday Morning Quarterback titled Donald Trump and the USFL, A Beautiful Circus, was the basis for this story. If you like the story, please subscribe and leave us a review. It's the best way to share the cast. On Twitter, you can tweet about the show using the hashtag SINarrative. I'm at Harry Swartout on Twitter. For more narratives moving the world of sport, log on to SI.com.